Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our epistle reading from the fifth chapter of Romans with an emphasis on these words. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Cresting the great hill surrounding the city, Terah and his sons stopped to catch their breath and to take in the splendid sight. After a 100-mile trek from the land of Ur that they called home, they had arrived in the city of Nippur, the destination of an annual pilgrimage made every spring by worshipers of the local moon god, Shuin. From their homes, they brought offerings of the season's first dairy produce to leave in tribute in exchange for their god's favor to fall on their cattle, granting them fertility and, they supposed, a rich supply of milk. Now, after that brief moment's rest was over, Terah would resume the hike into the city. He would be followed closely by his sons, offering in tow, Nahor, Haran, and Abram. Each of them would have made this journey ever since their youth, honoring their father and, they thought, securing blessing for their livestock. Now, once in the city, the family would join a throng of other pilgrims from all different places as they processed through the city streets and into the temple of Enlil, patron deity of Shuin. There, in the great halls of the magnificent ziggurat, they offered up their supplications and they rendered their sacrifices. First came Terah as the family patriarch. He was followed then by his sons, Nahor and Haran. Each of them said their prayers at the sacrificial altar and left behind their offerings before, at last, it was Abram's turn. Abram. Abram was his father's eldest son. He was heir to his house. He approached the altar of Shuin, and he made a plea. Perhaps it went something like this. God of the moon, uh, you on whom the seasons run their course and by whom we are given a fertile and generous harvest. Grant success to my father's ventures. Produce from his heifers fine calves who will bear much milk in the coming season. But then, as he prays, as he goes through the old familiar words, he feels the nagging pull of a voice whose name he does not yet know. A voice resounds in his heart until it echoes on his lips. And... If it would not be too terribly much to ask, might you, who preoccupies yourself with bovine fertility, not also perhaps spare just a mite of your power to grant myself and my wife Sarai a son to be my heir while you're at it? Well, of course, his bitter blasphemy goes unheard, and Abram rejoins his family to prepare again for the long journey home. As they leave, the milk curdles and spoils on the altar of Enlil, while those faithful supplicants of Shuin walk away empty-handed. That same inkling occurs again to Abram as they make the long trek home. What in the world did I just do besides waste perfectly good milk? What favor is there to be gained 
from an empty prayer to a false god. Shuin cannot hear my prayers. Shuin is nothing at all. Now, friends, after last week's sermon, which saw Abraham commend all of his faith and all of his trust to God at the binding of his son Isaac, it might be just a little bit jarring to go back in time to our Old Testament reading this week, to be reminded that before Abraham was Abraham, the great father of a multitude of nations, he was simply Abram, son of Terah. He was Abram from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, Abram, the pagan worshiper of several so-called deities, like that local moon god Shuin, as you just heard in that fictionalized account. Knowing all this, looking at these texts, we might naturally ask ourselves, why in the world would the true God reveal himself to Abram and use him, of all people he could have picked, to inaugurate his plan to redeem the entire world. Surely there must have been better, more suitable candidates, young and vigorous men, whereas Abram himself was rapidly approaching old age, or wealthy and powerful men, whereas Abram was nothing more than a humble herdsman, or men who already knew and recognized the name of Yahweh, if only as the regional god of storms who dwelt atop Mount Horeb. Whereas Abram lived all the way across the land of sea, the Red Sea and the land of Ur and followed other gods of his own. God could have picked men with large families already in tow to worship him. Whereas, of course, Abram and his wife Sarai were barren. What was God thinking? Reading the story of Father Abraham, it might seem like he picked this man to make things as difficult for himself as possible. And friends, I believe this to be precisely the point. The true God, the God of heaven and earth, the God who would become the God of Abraham, well, he does not choose the easy path. If he did, well, as we said, he certainly could have picked someone besides Abraham to do his will. He could have chosen more faithful people than Israel, by the way. He could have scrapped our fallen and sinful world at the moment that we fell away from him, and he could have easily started over with a new creation. For that matter, he could have also won his victory over death and the devil by conquest instead of by sacrifice and crucifixion. But this is not the infinite kindness and mercy of your God. Just look at our readings for today. Each of them tells us of a God who is willing to endure suffering, insult, and injury for the sake of sinners. A God who picked pagan Abram to become Father Abraham, the forerunner of his people Israel. A God who suffered accusation and even rebuke from one of his own disciples who, in spite of following him for years, still could not wrap his head around the true purpose of his Messiah. A God who willingly chose betrayal and beatings and suffering and death on a cross 
A God who endured all these things, not for the sake of dear friends who loved him and honored him, but instead for his bitter enemies who despised and rejected him. God reveals himself as a God for the godless, a friend of sinners, a friend of tax collectors and prostitutes and pagans. St. Paul summarizes this for us in the fifth chapter of the epistle to the Romans. For while we were still weak, he writes, at the right time, Christ died for who? For the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, sure. Maybe one might dare even to die. But that's not how God shows love. God shows his love not by dying for the worthy, not by dying for the righteous. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still pagans, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. Yes, for you and for me, God gave his son Jesus to suffer and die on Calvary's cross. You and me, steeped in sin, children of wrath, and followers of all kinds of false gods of our own. No, you've probably not made a sacrifice at any pagan altars, or at least I sure hope you haven't. But how many times have you put your faith and your hope in things like money or possessions? Or perhaps job or reputation? Or what about politicians or technology? All of these things are idols. And these idols have no power to hear your prayers. These idols, they have no favor with which to reward your faith. And yet time and time again, foolishly, stupidly, we give ourselves over to them in godless worship. What's more? The true God, your God, he knows this. He's seen you do this. And still he calls you. Still he urges you, leave behind these false gods and be made new, be made his people through water and the word. Why? Why bother with a broken and sinful people like us? Why bend over backwards to redeem his enemies, people who chase after all kinds of false gods and would rather have nothing to do with him? Why bother? Because, O sinner, In spite of everything, your God still loves you. And there is nothing easy about love. Just ask the parent who watches their child squander their education by foolish living. Just ask the wife who is working through marriage counseling with her adulterous husband. Just ask the brother driving his sibling again to their AA meeting because foolishly he screwed up and lost his driver's license. Genuine love is a labor. And God shows his love by rolling up his sleeves to come to you and to do whatever it takes to bring you back to him. See this love, this love of God, which is shown to godless sinners like us and forsake those simple idols in whom there is no salvation and receive instead the loving mercies of the true God the God who gave himself up for you on the cross. St. Paul continues, Since therefore 
we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Weak as you were, dear friends, rebellious as you were, unworthy as you were, God so desired you that he pursued you in the flesh by taking on flesh of his own, and in that flesh he entered into this world of sin to suffer death for you, to reconcile you to God your Father. But that's not all. On the third day, he rose again, triumphant over death, to give you new life in eternity with him. All of this he did not because you somehow endeared yourself to him by righteous living or by acts of ritual or piety. As we heard last week, your God does not accept any offering of yours to make payment for your sins. Instead, yours is a God who provides for himself the sacrifice for sin. In short, your God does not seek you out because of what you bring to the table. No, like Abraham, your God calls you out of sin, out of that false worship to false gods, and he gives you a new name. He gives you his name. He prepares a place for you in the land which he has set aside for you, a land overflowing with milk and honey. And he sets a seat for you at his table. He feeds you his body and blood given and shed for the forgiveness of your sins. What other so-called God of this world would ever show love for you in this way? And so heed his voice. Hear his call. Flee those false gods and let your heart rejoice instead in the God of Abraham, the God who gave his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Receive the God who reveals himself to us through acts of mercy and sacrifice. In his most loving name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.